Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. If you haven't seen, we've reinvigorated the Philly Sketchfest Instagram account. So give a follow to Philly Sketchfest on Instagram. There you'll see a lot of the news and information as we get closer to the 10th annual Philly Sketchfest. Philly Sketchfest is proud to be a sponsor of the Bechtel Test Fest, which takes place this weekend, March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th at Bourbon and Branch, Fringe Arts, and Philly Improv Theater, respectively. Everything else you need to know can be found at BechtelFest.com. Today's guest is Betty Smithsonian, currently member of the Flannel Chucks and the End Crowd, a co-host of Beth and Rouse Porn Stash, and one of the producers of the Bechtel Test Fest. I've linked a couple of videos of the Flannel Chucks on the My First Sketch Tumblr for you to check out. And here's my chat with Betty. Hey, Betty. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for doing this. All right, what made you laugh growing up? Yeah, farts. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I, I mean more, you know, like yeah. specifically. Um, fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> the growing up, so I have a twin sister, and mm-hmm. and by the time, I have an older brother and sister, but they were out of the house by the time we okay. were like, of fart age <laughs> uh when we really knew what farts were um and this is like yeah we didn't have computers we didn't do mm-hmm. like i remember we had nintendo but like the things that we did was make up sketches mm-hmm. we went to jcc camps i remember um we would watch mtv yeah and we would l- the things that made us laugh were like f- made up words and made up songs okay uh I, th- I think you're the first person i've talked to that's a twin oh really i think I you haven't talked to my twin no i mean like okay yeah but i think so so mm-hmm. the idea to me of having like either a built-in audience or a built-in collaborator mm-hmm. is interesting to me like, yeah um do you so want to call her we can put her on <laughs> facetime no it's it's fine all right <laughs> but like so together as a twin mm-hmm. Making up words, uh, having your own jokes, I'm assuming. Like, do you have, like, your own, like, twin language? Yeah, I mean, so the funniest thing ever to us growing up, mm. and we, w- we will talk about this still to this day, was the phrase, duty carcass. Duty carcass. It was so funny. <laughs> we would try to get my mom to say it, and we would just crack up like animals. Like, those two words don't go together at Correct. all, because it's... Neither of them are adjectives, or Correct. like, or duty's not the adjective for that noun. Unpack it, dude. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't work at all. Like, it. It was the greatest thing ever. We loved it. She and I, we had a way of communicating with each other where we make each other laugh. Mm-hmm. We could make each other laugh without getting to the joke. Sure. Just seeing the other one struggling with trying to do a thing, or even like, were you able to like see into the future and know what? 
So we weren't like, able to see in the future, but, but like just, know what's coming, yeah. know what that punchline's going to be. I or mean, we just knew for whatever reason this was hard for you to say because it was so funny. <laughs> okay. So we we I mean, even now we don't we're not nearly as close as we used to be. But even now when we're on the phone and she tries to tell me something and it kind of goes silent because she's <laughs> laughing and then I start laughing and it is like the hardest laugh and nothing has been presented yet. <laughs> we're just like silent like ah, 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 and you just hear in the background. Um, so the thing that would make us laugh was like for me, most of the work, the comedy stuff I make is comes from very absurd character mm. clown stuff. Mm. And it's not Stephen King clown. It's like fancy red nose clown mm. from like that world. So it comes from this idea of like being super absurd. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think I'm smart enough to do stand up comedy like, you know, I feel more like Lily Tomlin than I do, you know, like uh, even Sarah Silverman, I think, is so much smarter okay. in her comedy, even though she's kind of a goof. Um, or like, yeah, Chris Rock or these guys that are so like a like right. cerebral with their right. comedy. I was trying to think of, in my head, I was trying to give an example of a comic that hasn't yet been accused of sexual assault. <laughs> and just... It, it really does feel like that well is drying like Chris up. Chris Rock right now. And like say, any minute, like at least and he admitted... Even, even Chris Rock has like... Yeah. Apparently that divorce is pretty rough on it, but it, yeah. Yeah, it's a divorce. Yeah. Um, you mentioned watching like MTV. What other things yeah. were you watching and in, into? Yeah. Um, the f- I remember being... My sister and brother, older brother and sister, were still in the house. And I remember watching Pee-wee's Playhouse. Okay. Right? So that was the greatest thing. I remember memorizing the lines and all of the words to Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. And um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I could do the whole thing. I could do the whole movie right now. <laughs> I've seen it so many times. It's so great. Um, and he's like obviously a super clown. And yeah, yeah Mel Brooks... Uh, stuff too so that was the kind of stuff we would watch and crack up and we did like we're jewish so Mm -hmm. we did like uh every every jewish person thinks they're a comic okay because it's just i think that religion just comes from storytelling just like jews even like if you think about the torah is a oral tradition yep yeah that eventually was written down absolutely yeah we just sit around we either argue complain or tell like jokes or stories or whatever so there and then, was like you know going into more recent time the borscht belt like yeah that's for a long time like i forget who it was but that's bugging me that i can't remember who it was but like er, there was a comedian who said that he didn't realize that you didn't have to be jewish to be a comedian <laughs> and it's really yeah. gonna bother me that that's i can't think of that that's great um yeah like gene wilder or something Richard Pryor. I remember watching Eddie Murphy Raw when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I remember learning bits and memorizing bits mm-hmm. because my family was like, that's hilarious. But I didn't really know why it was funny. No. Yeah. I was just repeating it. Like the bit about, um, and I, you know, we watched a lot of Bill Cosby too, which yeah. is hard yeah. to say. Yeah. The bit about you ain't got no ice cream because your dad's an alcoholic. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Want to lick? Psych. <laughs> that was like, that was the greatest joke uh, when I was 10. I, I was about to say, and I think within, I can't remember if it's Raw or the other one. Hilarious uh, was one, That right? has the, the majorly problematic track. But like, that you don't have no ice cream. I can vaguely remember that from my childhood and like. That's the only thing I think that Eddie Murphy would be decent for the kid. 
yeah in, we in that in those two yeah. sets like, i'm pretty sure that was like my mom was like don't watch this right. i'm like cool uh, i can't wait for you to go to sleep <laughs> here's like yeah how do you not all you had to tell me was like you're welcome to watch this yeah like, and, and then you'll watch w- this and let's talk about it mm-hmm. my mom would have said and i would have never seen it yeah um yeah let's discuss it yeah then, no <laughs> yeah like, we're gonna have a, a a family walkabout and we're gonna talk <laughs> about this movie go ahead and watch it <laughs> uh, i ask everybody uh who would be your favorite saturday night, saturday night live cast member of all time yeah i uh, dude. so here's the other thing like i watch saturday night live every single week mm-hmm. from the age of when i was allowed to have a tv in my room mm-hmm. Which I think I got at like my bat mitzvah. And no matter fucking what, before you could watch it the next day or whatever, I stayed up, even during the years when it was horrible, when what, fucking Robert what? Downey Jr. Okay. was on it, okay. Anthony yeah, Michael I was, Hall. I was gonna say, was like, what years are your horrible years? Oh, okay. God. Those years were so bad. I feel that, like it that's was. That's only one year, though. Yeah, it felt Robert like a million. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Downey was only on one year. <laughs> right, right. I remember that was bad. And then there was like, I remember Jewel. My favorite years were, yeah, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, Julia Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's her name? Um, Jan Hooks. Uh, uh, not Jan Hooks. She just passed away. Uh, Jan Hooks just passed away. Jan Hooks just passed away. Who was the other woman? Have, um, anyway. That, uh, Nora Dunn. Nora Dunn, yes. Uh, Nora Dunn, Phil Hartman, John Lovitz. So that late 80s. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I thought those were classic years. It was like... Uh, unfrozen caveman lawyer mm-hmm. and then like my myers came in and like little by little like that the adam sandler years yeah, you went, know they uh, went way younger yeah the next generation yeah yeah, yeah. and I, w- I watched every year i think my favorite oh jeez, man i feel like jen hooks was my favorite character but now that i've gone back and like watched more early snl mm-hmm. like I don't know. Gilda Radner's like, okay. she's she's the one after my heart, man. She's the one that didn't have to make the joke. She could make the joke about herself, and it would be just beautiful watching mm-hmm. her just fail. Yeah. Like the, I think the greatest sketch ever was when she and Steve Martin do that dance. Uh, they like see each other across the mm-hmm. smoky bar, and they do the silliest fucking dance in the most serious way. Right, and then I think that's what he showed. Yeah, when she the passed yeah. away. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah, she was just the best. She and Jane Curtin, they were great. But yep. yeah, like a Jan Hooks would be like uh, one of my I favorite. Like I think you're the first person that has said Jane Hooks. She, there's this great, she, they did the lounge singers, she and the, um, the, yeah, Nora the sisters, Dawn, yeah. The Sweeney sisters. And I remember this one there at a Winter Lodge and fucking Paul Simon <laughs> is in the audience. <laughs> right. And they, yeah. they did a tribute that's so uncomfortable. And they're like, I, I, I think I've seen a clip of it where like they get <laughs> right in his face <laughs> and just start like screaming oh bridge God. over troll water at them. Yeah. Like, at them or something. Like, yeah, yes. Sure. Screaming. This remind that reminds me of another sketch that I want to share. <laughs> that's great. Paul Simon, it, he's playing himself. There's a line of people to see him mm. perform. Have I you seen this? Yeah, yeah. About, yeah. He comes out and he says, ah, just the people are like, oh, my God, it's Paul Simon. They're like, oh, it's just like to connect with people mm-hmm. before the show. Yeah, absolutely. And they're like, oh, God, this is great. I rem- I've seen you 18 times. Uh, my favorite was when Red Rocks and you you came in, you played this, uh, you played uh, b- the mother and child reunion as the encore. And Paul Simon's like, oh, yeah, you were wearing a red <laughs> shirt. You were in like he notices <laughs> And then another person, like the second beat, another person. And then the third person is fucking Art Garfunkel. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And he's like, Paul, <laughs> it's me. And he's like, 
I'm so sorry. How <laughs> would I know you? So fucking good. Paul Simon's so good on that. It's me, from Sound of Silence. We wrote that together. God, I, I'm so embarrassed. I do cannot place you. It's great. Uh, Funny. Uh, where did you start? Before we start recording, you start yeah. mentioning that you were doing more fringe stuff and whatnot. So what? where did you start performing? Yeah. So I was a musician first. Okay. And I was, I would be in like, you know, I was in bands and shit, played in Philly before it was not cool. <laughs> Back when it was cool. <laughs> and um, I got into my ex-girlfriend, Amy... She was the production manager for Pig Iron Theater Company. Okay. And this was like they're in their second year. Okay. This is like when they were just kind of talking about like how to make mm. a bigger thing. And uh, we came up with an idea for this fringe show. And that was like probably the first time I made a, a piece of work, produced it from like beginning to end. Okay. Like I wrote this thing. I had this concept. We rehearsed it. What we raised money year, for it. Roughly. It was two thousand and seven or eight. Okay. And it was called Grace Kingdom. And I took the album Grace by Jeff Buckley and I, I pulled it apart and I had a different kind of artist interpret each song and I kind of wrote this uh show and this character that kind of like pulled everything together. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Um for my first time out yeah uh in 2008 i would i would have had no interest in that but like i got into a really hard grace yeah kick like five years ago like where that's all i listened to for like a month like yeah so that's good now i look back i'm like all right i'd want to see that yeah that album was like the thing that kept me from killing myself while keeping killing myself a very close option (laughs) for like for like my whole because i got sober when i was 22 Mm. but it from like 17 to 22 or 18 to 22 i feel like yeah i just kind of like drank and did drugs and Mm. went in and out of rehab i actually met jeff buckley and played guitar with him in new york it's crazy it's a crazy story i don't think we have time on this especially since show amount of like amount of public life was so tiny so short between grace being released and recording the next album like yeah, he, my, this is how long ago this story is. My boyfriend. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, there's more. My boyfriend took me to see Jeff Buckley at the TLA on South Street when I was a junior in high school. So 94, wow. 95. And I was like, oh, man, he's good. But I didn't get into him mm. until like, yeah, until after I saw him. Uh, like until I was in college, maybe my first year yeah i don't think that album yeah. like really hit until he you know pat like i it, mean they it, used it hallelujah for a 9-11 like tribute the right. day 9-11 happened it was like here's the only song we could think of that is as sad right. as this moment and then like grace hit the charts and it then was uh fucked up uh what was it uh then they used roof uh, Rufus Wainwright's version Ugh, in Rufus. Shrek or whatever it was. <laughs> like God, there's some gay people that I'm like, <laughs> we get it, you know. Like I feel like you don't have to be an actual Pride Parade every day. 
<laughs> like, Rufus is in that list for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> like at some point we should acknowledge as a people, not just as a gay community, that pride is one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> 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 like scale it back. Take a breath. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I like to say to uh, all of the the people that have come out since I've come out, and I came out when I was a junior, and yeah, right after I broke up with that dude and brought me to Jeff Buckley. Uh, I always say, like, the, the people coming out now, I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> 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 yeah, right. I didn't do shit. I, and then meanwhile, like, yeah, all the people bu- that came before me are like, excuse me. <laughs> You can um, say you, you're welcome to that. Yeah, like, yeah, it's true. It's a whole you're welcome chain. You just look, yeah, you l- just look backwards and yeah. Uh, I can't believe it's still a fucking thing today. Like I, I got asked to do a stand-up show, uh-huh. punchline stand-up show, and uh, they're like, oh, we're having this LGBT showcase stand-up spotlight. You mm-hmm. know, would you like to be on it? And in my heart, I'm like, oh, what? Just because I'm gay? Right. And then in my head, I'm like, sure, absolutely. <laughs> Put me on yeah, it. Absolutely fine. That's about time this paid off, okay? <laughs> uh, I don't do stand-up, but I will. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, and I told my friends, um, this one guy, I'm like, hey, uh, I got booked a Punchline. And I've been doing stand-up for only about a year. Mm. I do all other kind of stupid shit, but... Mm-hmm. Because I get easily bored. But he's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm super jealous. I'm like, well, it's not because I'm funny. <laughs> it's just because I'm gay. I take a box that they're <laughs> looking for that night. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, um, so anyway. y- you do this friend show about Yeah, Jeff do Buckley. the friend show. Uh, where do you start creeping into like the world of improv? And Yeah, this ex-girlfriend I had took me to see a comedy sports show about three and a half years ago. Mm. And my twin sister had taught theater and she always used to play like these games, like the stamp, you know, whose line is it anyway? Games, Mm. theater, sports. Yeah. Um, And I took a class. My first class was with Mary Carpenter. She is the queen of improv in Mm -hmm. the city. She started comedy sports 20 plus years ago. Like there's no, she and Bobby Block. Um, It's, I think it's sad when new improvisers come into the scene and they don't know who they are. I'm like, what? You know? Um, Mary and Kelly Jennings and these women, fucking Bobby, they're like, no, no one was doing comedy in mm-hmm. the city outside of like Laugh House or whatever. Yeah, because I like I, growing up in high school, uh, well specifically in high school, whose line came out and one of the guys on the on the school newspaper went to a comedy sports show and yeah. did a review. Nice, and that was the only improv anything I knew in, in the city of live comedy, like. Yeah. I didn't even know about the Laugh House until, like... Yeah, until it closed down. A couple years ago. Like, a couple years <laughs> after that. Until there was a that, shooting. Like, I'm like, hey. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, like I didn't know that stand-up, improv, sketch, or any of that was a thing in Philadelphia. Did, have you been writing your whole life? or One way or another. One way or another. Yeah. Just not... Just when did you start writing comedy? Like, for realsies? Like, yeah. 2010, 11-ish? Yeah. But did you feel like... Because I always feel like... People who aren't good writers aren't good comedy writers. Like I think you need to have some like basic mm. uh, skill set around how to put ideas on paper. Sure. How to build an outline of a story. Sure. So I'd be interested to know how you feel like, you know, yeah, like your experience in just writing non-comedy has mm. made your comedy writing stronger. And then also the people that just waltz on the scene and they're like, I got a fucking sketch. And you're like, <laughs> um, I, I you're like, it's your Y O U R E. I think, like, I think, I think there's shit. a, whenever someone like hands me a sketch and there's like 
spelling errors or grammatical things, it bums me out to yeah. no end. Like, wouldn't you just check out immediately and be like, I, I don't I, have time I generally this. do, like, because uh, in high school, my teachers were, like, disciples of uh, Elements of Style by Strunk and White, which is just, like, a little notebook of, like, how to write gram- like grammatically yeah. and be correct. Okay, like an M, what was that? Uh, MB, MLB? Not, it's not like that. It's, it's more, um, whereas, like, I, th- I feel like those MLA handbooks oh, MLA. Yeah. are, like, rules and guidelines. Strunk and White was a more, like, uh, it conversational. It was, it was a like it's the guy that uh, E. B. White who wrote uh, Charlotte's Web. Um, some pig. I'm familiar. Right. But I'm saying it's him. It, it was him, and I forget if, it, if if he was the teacher or he wrote it with his teacher. Okay. Like from from college, like. But mm-hmm. they wrote this like handbook of things, and yeah, if you don't know the difference between you are or should have versus should have. Yeah. I'm, I'm done with you really quick. Yeah, like, I was going to say, like, you probably... I also think it, you're making your reader... And though I agree that, like, language changes yes. and we're allowed to, like, adjust... And get colloquial. Sure. And for but sure. when you make your reader work extra hard to figure out what you're trying to mm-hmm. say, that's, like, I think would be a clear sign of, like... Yeah. Like, if you were collaborating with someone, I bet you'd want to have them have a background in writing. Like, it feels normal. Uh, it helps for yeah. sure. Like it yeah. doesn't. It's not mandatory or yeah. necessary, but it definitely helps. Where I'm not like, oh my gosh, what yeah. is this? Yeah, 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 yeah. They like just give you like um, a sand mandala. They're like, here, <laughs> <laughs> isn't this hilarious? Okay, so you're taking improv classes. I took an, I took a couple of improv classes at comedy sports, and they fucking trained me on improv. I didn't even know anything else existed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know fit existed, even though it was literally right next say, door. It, well. It, how, when did you do the classes at comedy sports? Three years ago. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I literally had uh, all, and I remember this girl was on, in some of our classes and she's like, oh, I'm going to see shows over here. I'm like, later? Like, I I didn't <laughs> even, the lobby was so filled with people that I thought were cooler than me that I would just like skedaddle after class. They probably weren't though. Like. Yeah. Gina Gennari was in my um improv classes and she and i kind of like figured out when to hop over there together okay um what do you what was like the, do you remember like the first thing that you saw at fit i auditioned or the first thing that you like enjoyed or <laughs> yeah i mean i auditioned for n crowd i auditioned for comedy sports twice and didn't get in and okay. i'm like i'm out man like you guys are cool and all but like at a certain point I, i'm not taking classes right, anymore yeah. And they wanted you to pay to be on, like, the minor league, which is cool. But I also was like, I want to do more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like there's more to do. Um, so I auditioned for NCrowd, and they, they cast me, which was a huge mistake. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't fucking know anything. I remember I'd be going to, like, a rehearsal and listening to, like, a book on tape about fucking improv <laughs> comedy. I'd be like, okay, uh, just agree. Don't ask questions. Like, I just had no idea what I was doing. But they took a chance on me because they – and they'll tell me now, like, we thought you had a ton of potential. Like, we knew mm-hmm. you kind of sucked at improv, but you seemed, like, really energized. Sure. And uh, that you had some potential. So it was good. So I got, like, all of a sudden a year of practice with Kristen Shear, who's one of the best, mm-hmm. you know, teachers – uh, let alone improvisers in the city, and then got to work with all these people that were just fucking incredible. And I was like, they put me on this team by accident, for <laughs> sure. But I got to get what felt like an MBA, quick, accelerated, like, reps. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I sucked for a while. <laughs> I still kind of suck, but I've ventured out and started taking classes in clown and neutral mask and at the movement theater studio in New York and some pig iron stuff. And I've just expanded what comedy could be. I started right. the flannel chucks. The first thing I think I saw fit that was of interest was Manny Petty. And it was, uh, I mean, I, s- I see a lot of shit there. I mean, it's a school. Mm-hmm. They'll put it, they'll put up anything. Um, they put up my stuff. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it? Karen's dream. Maybe Maggie, uh keegan directed it it was when kate banford was still in the group was that the one uh where aubrey like gets shampooed at the end i don't know is that that the one but like after every sketch they do the dance no okay i'm trying i'm just trying to remember like my timeline of yeah kate banford came out a couple times and like roller skated through everyone wore blonde wigs Okay, I think um, it was when I, think I remember like the materials and like the advertising for it, but I don't. Okay. I'm not sure I saw that one. Dude, it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. It started with just like them repeat, like it was a lot of synchronistic mm. speech, and it was very like Caitlin Weigel that tone, um, like her voice, uh, in a lot of the stuff. There were there were there was this great uh, sketch where Jackie and Aubrey were robbing a uh, like bath and body okay. and like in between freaking out on customers, they would like try different creams. Mm. <laughs> it's just great. Jackie Baker, I think is like, uh, if anyone from Philadelphia would get super famous for like being kind of a revolutionary brain about comedy, uh, it would be Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's, yeah, I, I'm not going to argue that at yeah, all. I think like she's out of control, smart and, kind of aggressively creative. Uh, so that was the first thing I saw that I was like, dude, I want to make shit. And then I also saw a bunch of shit at Pig Iron and I'm like, I, I'm a clown. Like, that's what I do. Mm. I write stupid songs. I make jingles up for my dogs. Like, how can I make this a thing? And this one day, my friend Neil and I, gosh, this is t- maybe almost three years ago, we were writing a, a parody and Rob Aliciani was there because he needed to be there. I don't even know why. <laughs> I wasn't even friends with that bitch. <laughs> and we were c- kind of going through songs of what we wanted to do. And he's like, you guys want to just like play songs and sing while you come up with ideas? And we're like, oh, fine, Rob. We get it. You want to sing. And he's like, let's sing Creep. And I'm like, it's a pretty hard song to sing, okay? <laughs> he's like, uh, why don't you let me give it a shot? At the time, I didn't know that Rob studied opera in college i didn't know that either yeah and so when he sang the song neil and i were like fuck we we should write a parody to this Mm. and get him to sing this and this is for the theme show back forever ago and it was about swimming and we're like oh let's write this like rob's gotta sing this because he crushes Mm. the song let's just come up with something it can be about that's connected to swimming Mm -hmm. so we wrote it uh about a boy drowning to what to creep to creep okay. yeah oh yeah did i not say that that well, was i the mean song? you said you talked about that he was singing creeping you're like oh it's oh, a yeah. hard song yeah like yeah and then he hit those notes and you're just like crying because he hits them just like come on dude you just you just sang my whole <laughs> high school <laughs> uh feeling so that and that was the start of the final that was the start of the like, final checks chucks yeah that's that's the big where thing you got uh final truck chucks do is it just like the 90s era grunge? It is, yeah. Parodies, just, like yeah, we've gone off 
book a bit. We did a Guns N' Roses tribute show right. at, at the track a couple months you'll, ago. You'll go off book when you need to yeah. for certain themed events. Yeah. but We actually didn't really... We did a bunch of shit at Fit, and we were like... We would always get feedback of like, holy shit, you guys are so good. Mm. And we had no idea rap could sing, and these sh- songs are so funny. And they're very weird, Al, in that... Um, they're all about food because <laughs> I write what I know. Um, and Kristen Shear used to sing a couple in the beginning. We had her kind of be a voice. Yeah, I think the first time I saw Flannel Chucks, it was Rob one song, Kristen another. Yeah, and I tried to keep her involved. It was a little bit uh, hard just with scheduling. Um, and she's great. She's a great character singer. Mm-hmm. She can sing in like any character. Um, but Rob and I really started to get good when we were playing we'd open for the martha graham cracker cabaret yeah and then all of a sudden like incredible amounts of people from a non-comedy world right we're like holy shit and then we played at fringe arts for scratch night and it was like holy shit Mm -hmm. like people were because there's a bunch of like parody bands that are so talented like jawbone junction and red 40 and martha graham and um that come out of the theater world Mm. And we kind of got to play in front of their audience and people were digging it. Uh, what um, is it Beth and Ralph's porn stash or is it? Yeah. Where does that start? Yeah. Or how, how does that idea? How did Beth and Ralph's porn stash start? Yeah. Um, here's how it started. Ralph and I, super gay, hanging out backstage at some show and people were talking about straight sex. And they were talking about it in a way that was like, oh, like it almost seemed like they were trying to be careful around it. Like, you know, mm. like, oh, uh, this is what I like. And um, I tried doggy style once. And it, and Ralph and I were like, I'm sorry. We like we were talking. We we're like, what's that now? <laughs> uh, and we we were just like by default, like wondering and asking questions to people. And Ralph and I aren't like super publicly voyeuristic or anything. Mm. It was more like hearing straight, or, or at least straight assuming, people talk about sex in a way that seemed on the on the verge of shame. Okay. And we're like, how could you feel ashamed? Right. Like you're straight, right? So Ralph and I were just like, we would just banter about it. And after we chatted with a bunch of straight people, we're like, dude, we should pitch the show. And Joe Moore, who is like in the same world as Jackie Baker in my head in terms of like a creative <laughs> mm-hmm. mind. We pitched him a couple of ideas for a variety show around Beth and Ralph being gay and talking to straight people. And the porn thing was Joe Moore's favorite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, describe the show for anyone that hasn't seen it. Sure. Or? Absolutely. So the show, and we've done the show for two years now. We just got booked on, um, well, I won't say it because we didn't sign the contract yet, but <laughs> we are doing a, r- a show at Raven every on the other month okay. and Tattoo Moms. And then we also do it at Fit. So the show's gotten a lot of attention, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It's essentially uh, four or five comics sitting on a stage with Ralph and I. We watch some silly porn clips and we kind of launch into discussions about sex, sex positivity, mm-hmm. the kink, our own fears and dramas and events, politics directing so it's not, cinematography it's not just like uh mystery science theater 3000ing porn right like it's just that's the jumping off point correct to, okay yeah and a lot of people see our show and they're like wow i had no idea it was that mm. um 
we probably watch in 60 minutes a total of four minutes of sure. actual porn. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is games. We play games with the audience. Uh, we do Q&A with our panel. We have these silly games where you have to kind of fill in the blanks of what's going to happen in this. Like we, mm-hmm. it's more, It feels more like a game show sure. with some like really interesting conversation. Um, and yeah, there's so much porn out there. I myself have lost some cringe around sex and porn yeah when i first started the show with ralph like one of the things we do with the audience is we're like hey let's just check in we're adults we're not here to yuck anyone's yum we're here to have open conversations ask questions like we want to remove shame from sex Mm. so we're gonna do our best to help you know get there and in the original couple of months of the show because ralph does all the porn clips and i book the guests so it's always a surprise to me He made sure that he was the one. (laughs) He's like, I got this. Uh, I do this every day. And we watch these clips and I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, I I had a visceral reaction. I don't know why, but a vacuum cleaner and mayonnaise makes me uncomfortable (laughs) or whatever we would watch. And I've gotten much more um, open to the idea that there is a kink for everyone and that if it's consensual, it's beautiful, and like that, that can exist for people mm. in a in a completely separate space. Like it can be like, sure. wow, that's so not anything I'd be into. But because I have things I'm into that I know other people are like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um. Like it, we can have the same conversations. So mm. I I feel like it's my therapist thinks it's really helped me deal with <laughs> trauma. So. Uh, yeah, I love the show. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I... If it's like my favorite thing. If I've missed anything before Bechtel Fest. <sighs> Bechtel Test Fest. Well, the end crowd, Beth and Ralph's porn stash. Flannel Chucks. Flannel Chucks. And then a bunch of silly clown stuff. Sarah Nattel is directing this show. I just worked out a, another half hour of it. Um, it's Evanescence, formerly Bon Bon Jovi, starring in The Ghost of Stephen Nicks. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it's a really stupid one-woman <laughs> clown show. Um, you you just did that at Fit, right? I did it at Fit, and then I did it at Automatic Arts for some workshop stuff, mm. and then I think I'm doing it in Maniunk in the spring in a in a what should be an hour version of this fucking witch clown. That's just a crazy All right, woman. So what what's a witch clown like? Oh God, uh, she's. So that when I say clown, it's it's not circusy. It's not. It's not circusy. It goes back more to the commedia dell'arte. Like it does, and I think version of clown versus yeah, it's more like Barnum and Bailey. Absolutely, I feel like when I say it to like normal people, I want to say just physical comedy, mm-hmm. where there's no fourth wall, right? Where I acknowledge everything that happens, and I get most of my subject matter from the audience, right? So like you're not going to be throwing confetti at people. You're not going like, <laughs> no, like, you know, the bucket jokes right. or whatever. Like, right. Yeah, it, absolutely not. There's no gag mm. in this specific work, but it is uh, kind of the whole idea behind this. Uh, and Tyra Demi has done a lot of stuff like this. Um, what's his name? Fred Brown. Mm. They do this kind of work where it's just like an absurd character mm-hmm. who's kind of an idiot. Right. Just like an idiot and the thing that makes them so happy is the thing that makes the audience happy and they kind of have to figure out what it is. Mm. 
So it's a, it's a really cool challenge to have to have a moment of authenticity where you're discovering with the audience. And, and it's, it's not improv where improv is like, oh, I'm just going to go on this idea. Mm. It's the listening right. is so intense. It's like, as I do this thing, I check in. Like, do you like this thing that I'm doing? Mm. And if you don't, I have to decide if I want to like piss you off by continuing or get rid of it and find something you like. Mm. Like, it's a very uh, fucked up, <laughs> like people pleasing <laughs> experience. Okay. Um, so that f- so witch clown, she's a witch, <laughs> and she's trying to come up with this potion, and she needs objects from the audience to do it. Okay, that's pretty much what it is. So you're like, God, like actively taking person. stuff from that, like I'm asking from people's purses and like. Well, I'm asking them. I right. start oh, off. Yeah, with you're not just like just <laughs> grabbing out of their hands. I make everyone leave their stuff. Yeah, have <laughs> them walk out. Yeah, they give me stuff, and then I adore the object, okay. and then I f- and then I eventually, based on what happens, it's very absurdist. Find a reason why it's not going to work. Okay, like I kind of start off like, oh gosh, this is the perfect shoe. Mm. Give him a round of applause for this perfect shoe, you know. And then I'm like, oh, this is going to be great for the potion, and I bring it with me, and then something happens where I'm like, oh god, uh, is this a Doc Martin? Like, and then I'm like, <laughs> they made shoes for Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> give it back to you and just okay. um surreal emotional roller coaster <laughs> yeah that's the clown work that i do okay uh bechtel test fest started two years ago right uh 2016 mm-hmm. uh what leads to this new festival yeah that you're part of awesome so bechtel started with me rachel fogletto jesse snow mo manklin and caitlin vivian and the five of us were kind of tagged in uh, out of just interest, out of um, some really wrangly shit that was happening in Philadelphia mm-hmm. around women in comedy, which I feel like is now kind of hitting different then levels, but has yeah. never not happened, unfortunately. Right. I think we can go back to Roman times and be like... Uh, and that's when we started the Roman Women in Comedy Festival. Yeah. <laughs> like after these women came out, so it was a dis- like a direct. Yeah, it okay. was a direct response to a couple of things that happened at Fit, where they were casting teams and they were all men and they were all white and they were pushing women off stage and they were cutting women from the theater and um, and there was the whole uh, you know sexual harassment stuff mm-hmm. that was coming out and um, yeah, we started this thing mostly because we wanted to have a space where women could celebrate women because we felt like there was that missing piece around the supporting of women too and Mm -hmm. stages and spaces that forget about just safe i can't believe we have to fucking say like this is a safe space meaning uh you won't be injured here like Mm -hmm. that that feels so fucking ridiculous um that the space would have to be safe. Like, how about safe people? Let's, like, all get on the fucking premise that we're going to not hurt each other. Anyway. Let, let's get above the bare minimum yeah, of, of yeah. like, oh my decency God. and, like... Jesus, man. I, I would hear some women, and I'm sure men do this, too, but I don't listen to them when they talk. <laughs> women that are like, oh, my God. It's like, he's great. I mean, he's only hit me once. He has only hit me one time. So, like, he's a good dude. <laughs> And I'm like, what is going on? Uh, my challenge to men is to know that that bar is so low. Yeah. And that they could fucking be superheroes. 
it seems <laughs> it seems easy. It's not even like a limbo bar anymore. It's just yeah. Like, yeah. Just step over that toothpick of being yeah. a decent person. And yeah. Like, like your first date, he didn't try to sexually assault you. Dude, you got to <laughs> fucking marry that guy. <laughs> the winner. It's so awful. It's horrible. So Bechtel came out of this what felt like a direct response. And the first festival was a lot of momentum. Um, around that energy. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of people, a lot of people showed up, a lot of people applied. We tried to bring, we wanted everybody in the festival. We mm -hmm. tried to just make space for everybody. We, we wanted it to exist like that. The second year of the festival, we tried to make it more of like a marathon and we were hoping that would encourage women to stay and support each other. Mm -hmm. It really didn't. There was a lot more like, oh, I can only be there for this 10 minutes, so I'll come yeah. and do my time and leave. Yeah. And Philly Sketchfest, actually Fit and Skil and Philly Sketchfest and End Crowd have been our sponsors from day one and have really helped guide us into like how to market a festival. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been great. But uh, Philly Sketchfest makes this, you know, came out with like, each night a different venue mm -hmm. and we're like oh that's what we're doing that's okay, a fucking yeah. great idea for uh and then also how do we envelope in some of the energy around the theater community and some of the energy around just the, the stand-up world mm -hmm. that live in, an, in another fucking planet that don't come into theater yeah how do we start to circle them in because there's so many different parts of entertainment that just are completely separated and segregated yeah. from each other yeah they have blinders despite on despite the overlapping yeah that they all do like it's, yeah and then some stand-up people are like improv fucking sucks and while that's true, <laughs> you don't have to hate the people that do it. Like, there is some quality. And then you're also going to pretend that you're not improving when you do crowd work or I mean, like. Yeah. Improv has that gotten. Is that is not a helpful skill for you yeah. at some point, for sure. Improv has gotten a bad name because most of it's so bad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, that's funny. Um, so we tried this year to to pick venues that really kind of highlighted the energy of a community. And then we're booking the venue to kind of create a Venn around a Venn diagram of performers. Mm -hmm. So bourbon and branches are Friday night stand up heavy night, but we have okay. a sketch team going. We have, obviously we have headliners that we've booked. We can't, I can't announce when is this going to be on a while. Okay. So closer, it's closer to the festival. Okay. So Abby Rosenquist is going to headline our Friday Mary Radzinski is going to headline our Saturday Wisdom Teeth, which is an incredible improv group with Maggie Keegan and Emily Davis and um, Kristen Finger and Ali Sowell. They're going to be on Sunday. Um, we have uh, Cups and a Half. They're going to, I'm just thinking of sketch people that we have a bunch of theater people. So Friday night, Bourbon and Branch, Stand Up Heavy Night. Saturday is going to be at Fringe Arts, which is our sketch heavy night. And then Sunday is going to be at Fit which is our improv heavy night. Okay. However, at the end of each night of blocks, there is an open stage. Okay. So we're doing an open is, mic. And that's the first time, like... Every night. That you've done it, like... First time we've ever done okay. that. And partly is we want the men to come and support the women and mm. also get a chance to be on stage. Okay. Um, we have some men in the festival this year, too. We never said no men. We right. only it just had to be... Right. Yeah. Uh... So Friday night, we're going to do an open mic. Saturday, we're doing like a sketch up version of an open mic. Mm -hmm. But you could come up and do what you want for five minutes. Mm -hmm. 
um, at La Peg, which is a really great space okay, at yeah. Fringe Arts, you know, that space. And then Sunday, we're doing a jam. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much everyone stay, hang, be a part of this. Uh, we realize that while we also want to make space for women to perform, we want to create community around that. Yeah. So that's why we did the open. Because, like, and this is something that I always think about and I always have issues with or debate the pros and cons like when a comedy club has a ladies night or yeah. how you're saying you just got booked for an LGBT yeah. night I I kind of feel like that is going to shut off a portion of an audience sure. like so I think I think you'd have so I agree I also think you'd have to have a thousand LGBT and female only nights in a row to really set things back to like an equal right. amount and, of space. And, and that's the, the pro part. Like, sure. You know, like promote new voices. Yeah. But like, I think, you know, for example, helium, helium does a ladies night. Mm. You're shutting off. There's going to be a ton of guys there. The, the preconceived notion, you know, yeah. the incorrect thought that women aren't funny they're not going to give that show a chance compared to, yeah. you know, throwing a good female stand-up in between to got like, yeah, to let them blow, like you know blow away the crowd that way. Like I, while I agree that I mean this is like one of the, this is a really good conversation. I mean I've I've I don't think we're gonna solve this right here. Oh no, of course not. Like, but we're gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing is, is like, yeah, how much do we want to come out and say, uh, look at our diversity night yeah. versus, hey, here's our comedy night. And you show up and you see people and it of actually color. is diverse. Yeah. yeah. Like there's a lot of padding on our back of like, here's this great night that we've done. Um, and it's only because it's not nothing proactive. It's only because they've been called out for yeah. being for. Sh- yeah. For 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 doing that kind of shit. So I think it'll eventually We'll go see a stand-up comedy night, and it'll be an ar- array of of colors and shapes and genders. And um, but I think right now it n- there's this need to kind mm. of name it and tag it and have it like in the world as here's a thing that exists. Right. Um, and we think it's important to e- to exist like this, and we want to name it in this way so that people know we're not anti-female. Right. You know. Um. Yeah, I get it. I was recently accused of being transphobic. Should I tell that story? When was this? Like, it was at a gay show. We did uh, a bunch of us did come rainbows. We produced this gay mm-hmm. show at a gay place in the neighborhood, and I did this joke. And during the joke, I got accused of being transphobic. Like from the crowd, like someone yelled out at you. Yeah. Wow. I initiated a joke about being misgendered. Okay. And I got screamed at. Y- are you trans? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, you can't be, you can't have that experience of being misgendered if you're not trans. And mm. I was like, I can't. And this was news to me. I'm like, uh, I don't. But I, that's exactly what happened. And I even said, like, in the, I of course it was the, I got the light. So I was like, oh God, I want to <laughs> bring you up here and talk about this. This is like a thing that's this important. This is a conversation that we can do right now. I would love to do this, but I can't do it. And I'm not going to do the joke and I'm going to walk away from this. And then they screamed at me again. And I'm like, oh God, and I sat on the stage and I was like, how's everybody doing? Uh, and then the next day it was like uh, this whole thing. 
And, you know, I don't, what happened was what happened. I mean, it was a heckler. It was a very intense heckler. It was a very traumatized heckler. But at the end of the day, I'm rewriting the joke for sure. Right. I, I was, I'm happy to not say misgendered. I, I completely recognize now that that isn't the kind of experience that a cis female would hold in the same way as a trans Mm. person. So I'm completely open to changing my language around it and just saying, um, you know, Hey, I was at a bar. Um, and (laughs) I almost did a bit just then, but I did (laughs) it. Oh, good, good. Uh, you know, I was at a bar and I was mistaken for a male. Right. Like that's fine. Opening my mind to changing that. It's just upsetting in the way it happened. I don't think that's how social justice or change happens, but I guess it did. <laughs> I mean, you did change the language of the vo- of the joke. So. I, I did. I mean, if there was a person up there that wasn't me and got heckled like that, they might say, go fucking suck a dick. Right. Um, but so thank goodness it happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What's something that you've learned from comedy? Other than to watch Never the trust anyone. <laughs> um, I mean, that could be legitimately your answer. Like, I mean, I think that's the answer. The answer is like there is, though I can defend the thing I think is funny, um, I have to be really careful about defending a thing that I think is funny to the point of really hurting somebody else. Right. So how funny could it be if someone is really hurt by it? Yeah, like if if or it even in the room, if nine people think it's really funny, and that one person is t- like, it's still does that one person, yeah, not matter compared to the nine? Like, yeah, sure. I think that person matters more. Mm. To be honest, I mean, I'm not changing. I can't change what I think is funny. I mean, the joke about being mistaken for a man is that the person who made that mistake. The, the whole premise of the joke is that that person then for the rest of time tries to overcompensate for that mistake. Right. Okay. And every time I go in the bar, they're like, hey, girl, <laughs> uh, you need the ladies room? I'm like, uh, I get it. <laughs> you, you thought I was a dude. OK, you let me know if you need a tampon. OK. Like, OK. So I think there's a better like that joke is funny. And as soon as I say a thing that disconnects me from the audience, mm. I've lost. I mean, if I can, like, if I could change it to not be offensive and just have it be funny and I'll change it. Right. But I'm not going to make up a different story. That should happen to me. It's real. Language affects behavior. Um, I'm open to changing the language. I think that's the thing with comedy. Like, with improv, we give this, like, adjustment. Oh, they're making it up in the moment or they're panicking. Mm. Men like to defend, and women too. Oh, I'm just on stage. I thought at the time the funny thing w- was to talk about my dick. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Or like, I think it's great to like insinuate incest in an improv scene. It's just hilarious. Okay, but it's not like, it's yeah. harder to listen and adjust. I feel like in stand-up, the people that get up there and they make the rape joke, and then they're like, what? Why aren't you guys laughing? It's like, that comic loses out on making a like being open to making an adjustment in your language so that it's funnier like mm-hmm. that i think that's probably the thing i've learned in comedy 
Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, this would fucking kill in fucking Rehoboth. I'm like, cool, but we're, <laughs> yeah, listen, you're in. Uh, Is Rehoboth the, the, the right city for that? that uh, like, this would fucking kill in Margate. Is that better? No, I'm not even thinking any short town. Like, uh, I'm going like. The other like, direction? Mid, this would Mid-America, like Tulsa or something. Dude, if I was in Tulsa, this room would be lit. You know, some weird <laughs> red state, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I like Joan Rivers, who was, like, unapologetic about the things. But sh- what she was saying was inherently controversial. Yeah. She was fucking making fun of Holocaust and fucking gays. And she was like the Don Rickles, you know. Um they're insult comics. Mm. I'm not that. So I, I want to not insult. Right. And, and there's also, there's a context of like that we get into it. Like even, even comics like Jaslyn today, like yeah, you, you walk on stage, he walks on stage, does his first two things and you know what you're in for. Yeah. No matter. And you could be uncomfortable. You might not like it at all. Right. But he is unabashedly him. Right. From word one, whereas yeah, if you don't like it, don't go to the show. You can't. You're not gonna go and like do joke one, joke two, joke three, and then like this like weird left turn right. into like yeah. And I think there's also. I mean, this is why improv gets a bad rap. I'll be honest. Like, I'm not a huge fan. Like, improv comedy to me is like you know fucking what's that dude's name? Dave Matthews man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good, sometimes really good quality that I'd enjoy, but I can't stand the fucking audience. <laughs> Dude, the fans are like, ugh. Same with the Bible. I'm like, okay, some good stories in there, but why do you guys have to fucking, like, res- you know, be such nerds about it? Just fucking go to church. <laughs> why do you got to be like, but church is the best thing ever, and if you hate it, you hate life. It's like, come on, just fucking like your thing. Have a hobby. <laughs> You don't see fucking the woodworking people like rallying in a Facebook group and being like, this is bullshit. <laughs> We're not going to. They might. We're <laughs> not in woodworking Facebook groups. Even sketch comedy doesn't get as fucking uptight as improvisers, man. Fucking the the hobby. I, I hope you play this, too. I hope you play this for everybody. Just the hobby of you need money. You're most likely white. Um, I love that FIT has scholarships for people of color and diversity. I fucking love that mm. shit. I think there's been a big influx of people of color in different ages at FIT because uh, of that diversity mm. program, which is probably like number one in the country. But in general, improv is a white man's game. Yeah. One step away from beer pong at AUPI. Uh, and I think, yeah, it gets a bad rap because it's more about it's more about the social in- socializing mm. than it is about the result right. of the work. It feels more like, yeah, hobbyish. But um, I mean, just I went on a rant. <laughs> but like I I don't necessarily say hobby as a bad word. Like in general yeah. to, uh, with people I've talked to like right now this is my hobby. Like yeah. I enjoy doing sketch comedy, yeah. th- the podcast. But I guess, what do you consider a hobby? Something that's not your main right. money? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. The thing the thing I do and enjoy because real life yeah. can be so, like... Yeah. Uh, and then finally, why do you keep doing, even though we've talked about yeah. a couple of whys, why do you keep doing this? I mean, so there was a time when I was just kind of dipping my toe in, and in, I went and took this class in New York with Virginia 
Scott, who's uh, a clown and physical comedy performer and fucking amazing person. Um, and during that class, I was like, I, my heart grew and mm-hmm. space in my body opened up for like, it wasn't like I was filled up with a thing. It was like, I expanded to allow for more. Okay. And there was this like, for me as someone who did therapy forever, I'm in recovery almost 17 years, who's like always bettering. I'm on the betterment project. I was like, wow, this feels nourishing in a way that like, I've never felt with improv or parody or anything. And kind of uh, as a person who has PTSD to find a thing that can make change how I feel and feel good and bad and hard and beautifully sad at the same time is probably like the goal. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Oh shit, I want this. You know, if improv is like, uh, cocaine, clown and physical comedy is like crack like this is so much better <laughs> and cheaper <laughs> uh anyway is, like, is that really some an, the analogy that someone in recovery should be making like oh, that's a good fucking point man <laughs> <laughs> you want to um, take two of that analogy <laughs> i i believe i feel like the person you should trust with that analogy is a right, junkie sure. <laughs> just i think i think the thing about it is the reason I keep doing it is because the kinds of things that I'm doing these days feel like they're making more space for Mm. things that I love. Like I met my partner over a year ago. And one of the things that I fell in love with was that she has that same energy and that same kind of um, ability that these other areas of my life where they don't fill you up or exhaust what you have yeah, they're creating more space for you to love more things. Mm. And I think that's what producing the festival has given me. That's what, yeah, being with my partner, Lisa, that's what Clown, that's what End Crowd, like the things that I choose, Beth and Ralph's porn stash, like this makes more room. You okay. Know? So I think that's why I keep doing it. Yeah, that's pretty deep and heavy. For, like, that's good. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Betty. Yeah, thank you so much. Go to the Bechtel Test Fest this weekend. Friday night, a stand-up themed night at Bourbon and Branch. Saturday night, a sketch themed night at Fringe Arts. And Sunday night, heavy on improv at the Philly Improv Theater. Tickets, lineups, and more information can be found at bechtelfest.com. And you can also go to Beth and Ralph's Porn Stash at Philly Improv Theater on March 9th at 10 p.m. If you want to learn more about sketch comedy, one of the producers of Philly Sketchfest, Kurt Reedy, will be teaching Sketch Comedy 101 at Helium Comedy Club. Head to heliumcomedy.com to learn more. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com, on Twitter at PHL Sketchfest, and on Instagram at Philly Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. And like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>